Hey guys, you're listening to the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. This is our first episode of 2021. You'll already know me. I am Mithila. Hi guys, I'm Kunal and yes, this is our first episode in like even 25 days or something Mithila. It's like it it didn't feel normal to not be talking to you guys. So honestly, it is so good to be back. Yes guys, we were on a little bit of a break, but this feels normal, you know Kunal, hosting the show with you kicking off the new year talking to all our wonderful Formula 1 fans out there. Uh by the way, thank you all so much for your lovely messages, you know, around our Inside Line Formula 1 parody awards. It was actually the last show we did in 2020 and we're so glad that you all loved it so much for what? The 8th year in a row. Yes, thank you very much guys and um Mithila to be also very honest I sort of enjoyed this short break that we had on the Inside Line F1 podcast uh you know the 2020 formula 1 season was hectic in every way that I can recollect so it was good to sort of sit back and uh, not think or talk formula 1 for a change yeah guys i must tell you that none of what kunal has said is true he has been busy you know uh tracking the sport tracking every little thing that's been going on in the paddock despite it being the off season so no off days for kunal you know there's always some story or the other to chase yeah that's true because there's always some story or the other to chase and you know the funniest one i you know heard a couple of days ago was that of Mattia Binotto having heard every radio message of Carlos Sainz Jr's before deciding to hire him for 2021 at Ferrari now my first thought was hey you know what if Ferrari paid just so much attention to Fettel's radio messages over the 6 years they raced together. Oh, Kunal, maybe now we know why Ferrari haven't been as attentive on, you know, Vettel's Pitcar radio all these years. <laughs> There goes the championship all down to radio messages. But uh yes, yeah, so it is a new year. It's going to be a new season in a few weeks time. Also there are some lovely new partnerships uh, for us to talk about for the Inside Line F1 podcast. So our regular listeners would remember, you know, of our partnership with the Pits to Podium team from last year. So that partnership will only get stronger through the season. And some very exciting news uh, for 2021 guys we've tied up with Idea Brew Studios. Uh, we're going to work together to grow our podcast to reach more Formula 1 fans and to, you know continue dishing out some amazing Formula 1 content to all of you. Uh also we've changed our hosting provider a little technical insight. Uh that's one of the reasons we had to wait a little bit longer you know before releasing our first exciting episode of 2021. The easiest way to explain our situation Mithila for 2021 is by citing the example of McLaren. You know, they're going to be switching to the Mercedes engines from this season. So, you know, literally speaking everything's the same at the top of it, but a lot has changed under the hood and that's the same with the inside well line. Said. F1 podcast as well. So, Uh to kickstart our partnership with uh Idea Brew Studios Samuel and I will host a live stream format of our show on uh, 30th of January that's uh, Saturday uh it'll be available via our Facebook page and other social media handles uh guys the live stream will begin at 5 p.m. Indian standard time so watch out for more announcements on our social media handles yes kunal very exciting and you know it feels like the excitement for 2021 for this season is starting way before for all of us then you know even for the formula 1 teams and drivers <laughs> uh but speaking of the live stream that's coming up to you guys this saturday uh abhishek takle he's an accredited formula 1 journalist he's going to be joining the live stream as well uh so guys save the date to 
tune in. It's going to be very exciting. Yes, and just one last word about the live stream before we sort of kickstart this episode. Uh, for the live stream, we are going to be looking forward to the 2021 Formula One season. And if you guys have any specific questions or points for us to discuss, please send them to us via our Facebook page. We're called the Inside Line F1 Podcast on Facebook as well. Awesome. And you know, Kunal, we've been talking about all the things, you know, under the hood, basically, that have been changed for 2021. Uh, and there's one thing that I really want to talk about that has been constant for us uh, through into 2021 and hopefully for many seasons to come. Uh, it's our opening tune. Uh, Lucien has been composing our opening tune. Uh, and it's And he's actually made a fantastic new tune for 2021 as well. You know, I'm sure some of you have noticed the uh, start of this episode had this amazing tune. So thank you, Lucien. Thank you for being part of it. Yes, thank you, Lucien Byfield. That's the name, guys, for you to go and listen to his music on Spotify, Apple, Bandcamp. And to make it easier, I will add a link to his channel in the episode description. Right, Mithila? So let's get going. And uh, what I'll do is I'll set the context for the, the next few minutes to follow. So you guys would have noticed how, uh, you know, we're going on and on about what's new uh, ever since we started this episode. And here's one more thing that, you know, that sort of fits into that theme. So uh, the 2021 Formula One season marks the start of a new decade for Formula One, right? So for this episode, Mithila and I decided why don't we sit and take a look back at the last decade and pick out some of the most weird and unexpected rules that we've seen in the sport? Yeah, so guys, we're going to look back before we look forward. And in fact, Kunal, you know, this whole What's New theme, uh, it's so exciting that I think uh, we're going to uh, take it forward. So guys, in our next episode, we're going to talk about what to expect in Formula One in this new decade, you know, 2021 till 2030, if you want me to spell it out. Or counted out. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, Kunal, I have this feeling that it's going to be 2030, you know, uh, and we're going to be sitting there, you and me together, recording another episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. You know, it'll be like episode <laughs> number 10,031 or something like that. And we're going to be looking back at the decade that was, you know, eerie. It's going to be uh, same, same, but different deja vu kind of thing. <laughs> but I'm just wondering if podcasts will still be arranged then. But no matter what the medium is, we'll be there. Wow, you've just gone and made a commitment for all of the next decade, right? But that's a good thought. We'd love to do this in 2030 as well. And uh, I'm just, you know, I just remembered that the Inside Line F1 podcast actually started in the last decade. Uh, it was in the middle of 2011 when we launched our first episode. And in fact, if any of you guys have been listening to us since then or around then, let us let us know. I'd love to sort of hear from you guys and know how long you've been listening to us, right? Uh, but getting started with this week's episode now, let me ask you first, Mithila, right? So apart from the double points uh, finish in the 2014 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and the farcical elimination-based qualifying system that was used for the first two races in 2016, what in your view was the most random rule introduced in Formula One? in the last decade. Oh, Kunal, okay. So I see what you did there. And you know what? I am actually going to go with a rule. It wasn't actually part of the last decade, come to think of it. It was 2005. But this was the rule that forced drivers to use, you know, a single set of tyres for the entire race. Um, I think this was probably the weirdest rule ever, you know, not just in the last decade. Uh, 
apart from the two choices that you already talked about. So we'll talk about all of these in greater detail. Yes, but I must point out this, what you just pointed out, was back in 2005. So it was like the decade before the last one. But it still passes because I know I blocked your choices off, literally <laughs> speaking. But yes, it was, even in my memory, the weirdest rule that I remember. Because the way I see it is pit stops are an important part of the spectacle of Formula One. And in that season, in 2005, Formula One took away the most important part of the pit stop spectacle, which was tyre changes. Yeah, I still don't understand why they did that. But Kunal, you know what, let's talk about the two, um, you know, the two strange rule choices that you brought up, but then blocked out. You know, let's talk about the elimination based qualifying. And this was used for the first two races in 2016. And let's talk about double points for the last race of 2014. This was the race at Abu Dhabi. Uh, you know, the the general theme, you know, while setting these rules, it seemed like they wanted to make Formula One a lottery or, you know, just uh, uh, eliminate the fastest driver every 90 seconds. That was what the elimination-based qualifying was. Uh, stir up the field a little bit. Noble thought, but oh my God. Yes, lots of noble thoughts. But I still remember, you know, the hope with the whole elimination-based qualifying system was that uh, drivers would be rushed into making an attempt to sort of not get eliminated. But like you said, noble thought, terrible execution, because the exact reverse is what happened on track. Because drivers literally sat in their cockpit, saw the clock counting down those 90 seconds, knew they were going to get eliminated, but still sat to just choose there without bothering about the elimination. Such so. an anti-climax. And uh, likewise, you know, that season finale in 2014 when they had double points, I think the hope was that the title fight would be close enough and several drivers would be there. And you know, that double points boost would um, end up giving a surprise result or just leaving the door open a little bit more. But in the end, as expected, it was Lewis Hamilton who won. Uh, Nico Rosberg had a mechanical failure. And uh, I, I think, um, you know, there was only one driver then who really benefited from this double point score, and that was Valtteri Bottas. Of all the people. Yeah, it's really crazy <laughs> because he was racing for Williams that year. And he finished third in that race. And because of that result, he actually overtook Vettel for fourth in the Drivers' Championship. Yes, 20, 000, oh, 2014 and 2015, the last, you know, glory years for Williams racing. That's That's how we will all remember it because... They finished third in the Constructors' Championship. I think it's far-fetched to expect them to do that maybe in the coming decade. Who knows? But, you know, since just before we sort of move on to the next uh, weird rules, as we, we've been talking about, what you mentioned about how, you know, there was this hope that multiple drivers would be engaged in a title fight and the double points would sort of stir things up. I think this whole hope that multiple drivers will be engaged in a title fight has been around for since ever. And it's been fulfilled for maybe a handful of seasons or maybe a little more than a handful of seasons. We won't get into history yet, but uh, going back slightly to Williams, the news coming in that uh, Jensen Button has signed up as a senior advisor for Williams. So let's see what actually happens there, apart from probably Button making a lot of money for being that senior advisor out there. Yeah, so Kunal, since we're talking about, uh, you know, those years, 2014-2015, I remember there was a ban on driver coaching, you know, using the Pitocar radio. This was in the 2015 season. I'm guessing you also remember that. Yes, of course. It was like the weirdest ban that I remember because Formula One went ahead and introduced the most complicated racing cars in history. And then they banned the team from coaching the drivers on how to fix car issues. 
if they came up mid-race. And I thought that was a little unfair. You know, you're getting drivers to sort of become engineers who are troubleshooting problems while racing a car, fending off a rival or attacking a rival and so on, right? And uh, if I remember correctly, even driver coaching was banned via radio. So, uh, you know, sending messages like, okay, car loss, try braking later into turn three, that's where we are losing a couple of tenths, wasn't allowed back then. So, just some of those really random radio rules. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, radio channels have been as open as possible ever since. I mean, Kunal, you and me, we're uh, podcasters with strong proponents of, you know, the audio medium. So I think any kind of radio ban doesn't work for us. Huh? Uh, I also remember this other really strange ban, and this was the ban on helmet designs. Uh, this was also in 2015, and I remember you and me sitting down to discuss it, and both of us were like, oh my God, that is just next level silly. Yeah, I mean, what was sillier then was that the drivers who asked the FIA for permission weren't given any, but then there were drivers who anyway went and changed their helmet design literally every race. Of course, it, not immediately in 2015. I'm talking of the years that followed because there was always that confusion. Are they allowed to change designs or not? And so much so that Lando Norris literally a couple of weeks ago tweeted regarding the same confusion. I know, and you were also making a reference earlier to Danny Kivat. Uh, I remember that the FIA shot down his request for a helmet uh, design change. And uh, it also feels like, you know, in the last couple of seasons, it's been far more open and it feels like the ban has been lifted completely. But like we said, you know, this is just a little bit of a grey area for everyone. Yes, and I'm, I just now recollect, just before we sat to record... Nikita Mazepin, the most, uh, you know, the most controversial, loved, I was going to say most loved, but okay, the most loved driver in the 2021 uh, season has made a very bold claim. He said the world anyway doesn't like Russian drivers or something to that effect. I don't know what went into his head because I used to love Danny Kvyat. Uh, and, you know, when, when this whole helmet design ban thing sort of affected him, I was wondering if there was some sort of miscommunication there, right? But uh, talking about helmets, sticking to that, uh, I'm going to s- just take the next couple of minutes to clarify why Formula One didn't want drivers to change their helmet design. And that's because the helmet is the strongest visual identity, you know, for when the driver is racing in the car. So changing it every race sort of didn't make sense. And it made it tougher for spectators and fans to identify their sort of favored drivers when they were in action. But uh, Mithila, come to think of it, such rule changes are actually very important, though, because uh, uh, they end up being content for us in such off-season episodes. Literally, right? Something to really discuss and share and uh, look into with all of our viewers. Uh, Kunal, the next rule that I've actually made note of to discuss with you, we had also dedicated a full episode towards it. You know, that's how um, outrageous it was at that time for us. It was when uh, Formula One took away the real checkered flag and replaced it with a digital version. You remember that? Yes. Yeah, and I How can I this... not? Because I was so miffed. Yeah, you were really upset. You know, you're you're an old soul like that. Oh, I remember. <laughs> it was after that whole fiasco. It was uh, the 2018 Canadian Grand Prix, and uh, Winnie Harlow. I remember her. Uh, first as a friend of Lewis Hamilton and then as, you know, a model, celebrity, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she waved the checkered flag a lap too early. Yeah, I just remember her for that era. I didn't care who she was or what her claim to fame was. And uh, I was saying I was miffed and I need to explain why or I, I feel like explaining why. Because, uh, you know, when I heard that the checkered flag was sort of going digital, the first th- thought that I had in my mind was that, 
The checkered flag is actually that one symbol which even our non-motorsport following friends and family understand. You know, it's like that one connect that people outside of the sport have with the sport. And to sort of take that away was like taking away a very symbolic or a very iconic image or a moment, you know, and that's what I felt. And just because there was a celebrity who sort of went and did something stupid. And I remember after the, the error, Ross Braun issued an apology on behalf of Formula One. So just one of those things, I'm just glad that these are the days of the past. Yeah, because uh, the physical uh, checkered flag was actually reintroduced for the 2020 Formula One season. Of course, this was only after the World Motorsport Council agreed on its reintroduction, but glad it's back with a bang. Yes, so the next rule that uh, we're going to talk about are actually a set of rules because all of them were introduced to either make Formula One cars go faster or safer. And uh, guys, before you all jump, wondering if the halo features in this. No, it doesn't. I think the halo has you know, far proved why it is a crucial element uh, uh, that needs to be on the Formula One car. But what I'm actually talking about goes all the way back to 2014 uh, when we had those weird uh, hanging and pointed noses on Formula One cars. And I'm sure I don't need to describe uh, any further how how horrible they looked at yeah, that time. Yeah, Kunal, I think a lot of uh, <clears throat> adult jokes were cracked at the expense of those <laughs> noses. <laughs> right, so continuing further, the changes introduced in uh, 2017 and 2019, which were designed to make Formula One cars become the fastest cars on the planet, or I'll put it this way, which were designed to make the fastest racing cars on the planet to go even faster, something literally very few people cared about. And, uh, you know, it beats me that uh, Formula One chased the fastest lap time ever metric over the ability for these cars to sort of race against each other. Yeah, you know, it feels like it's been a series of questionable rule changes one after the other. But Kunal, let's do what Liberty Media really wants us to do, you know, rest all our hopes on the next season and, you know, on the new rules and look forward instead of just focusing on what's been. Yes, we'll, we'll leave the looking back for all the weird rules. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and speaking of which, you know, the next weird rule on my list, it only just makes the cut because this is the refueling ban and this was introduced in 2010. So kind of borderline. Uh, 2010 is the previous decade, but... You know, I'm just going to roll with it because <laughs> I'd love to bring back refueling. Yes. Uh, again, I know why we shouldn't have it back, you know, for cost and safety reasons and all of that. But yes, I would love to see refueling back. I know it's a very, uh, it's it's a conversation which sort of, the, the, the debate can go both ways. But my reason to have it back would be is, you know, the addition of another strategic dimension to race strategy because at that time I remember it was like a game of high-speed chess and how Ross Braun always almost outthought people and his rivals when you know he was paired alongside uh, or he was paired along with uh, Michael Schumacher at at uh, Ferrari right so but we know refueling is not coming back in fact what's going to keep happening is that the Formula One racing car is just going to keep getting more and more hybrid that's the approach Formula One wants to take. Efficiency is going to be the name of the game, which also reminds me that the curse was what was introduced in the last decade. It was Formula One's uh, first tryst with hybrid energy, right? And uh, if if my notes are correct, curse was, you know, uh, introduced in 2009 or 2009. I don't know. 2020 and 2009 just becomes very difficult to say. But yeah, so curse was 
uh, introduced in 2009 and uh, I think it was optional for a couple of seasons then the teams decided not to use it in 2010 and then all of it sort of made a comeback in 2011. Yeah, and Kunal, of course, Kurs led us from the V8s to the hybrid orbit V6s that we currently use. Um, but I don't think I'll be alone, you know, if I term the current power unit regulations as, you know, a weird introduction to Formula 108. You know what, I'll say it this way. Uh, it's unpopular because it took away the grunt of the Formula 1 engine, you know, that iconic grunt that we all associated with the sport. Yes, and guys, mind you, since 2014, it's no longer called an engine. It's called the power unit. The very crucial change in terminology also that sort of happened in Formula 1 and hence our lives. Yeah, they basically took away the sound, they took away the noise and they drove up the costs. And, Very um, Formula One, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Kunal, you know, we were talking about efficiency earlier that, yes, we've reached these insane levels of efficiency that haven't been seen in any other motorsport, really. But I'm wondering if we've traded off a little too much, you know, in exchange in a quest for that efficiency. Yeah, the other thing we exchanged in the quest for all the efficiency and hybrid, you know, turbo power units was the whole... Uh, uh, you know, the politics of Formula One sort of have skewed in favor of the power unit manufacturers, right? To give you an example, uh, you know, by refusing to power a Red Bull racing car, Ferrari and Mercedes are literally just controlling the competitive quotient of the grid. And this is something we've been saying all along. We literally have been discussing it for so long. But uh, Kunal, we're nearing the end time for this episode, unfortunately. Um, I've got one more rule change that I'd love to talk about before we go off. Yes, I think I've got one more as well to go. Okay, I'm going to go first. Uh, so the rule change that I really want to talk about was when, you know, driver weight was included in the total weight of the car. And Formula One drivers had to be like the fittest athletes on the planet while also maintaining, you know, size zero figure. It was insane. Yeah, and this rule is as old as a couple of seasons ago. It's just in the last maybe two or three seasons that it's changed. Exactly. And I'm so glad that, you know, good sense prevailed after all. And uh, the two are now split, you know, that uh, drivers can be a little more free, I would say flexible in their weight. Yes, I've got uh, one last one to go, which is for Pirelli, right? And... Uh, guys, they've actually spent all of the last decade being the sole tire supplier for Formula One. But we are all still figuring out the best tire to go racing on. Because, uh, again, I'm sure you guys all remember how the early Pirelli tires were high degrading ones. And they were literally a disaster. And uh, now we've suddenly gone into the hardest tire compounds there can ever be in, in Formula One history. Yeah, literally, right? From, you know, single set of tires for the entire race to like multiple sets per race, Formula One has swung um, in completely the opposite direction. Yes, uh, I think the typical complaint, like I said, is are the current spec of tires uh, still extremely hard to use? And I think... Not just Lewis Hamilton, I think all the drivers would think so. I remember, Kunal, Bono, my tyres are dead. You know, Lewis Hamilton's uh, uh, secret message, I would say, to the Mercedes pit wall, indicating that his tyres could actually go another 20 to 30 laps uh, before needing a change. <laughs> I, I, re I remember, uh, you know, when I had interviewed Mario Isola, I think this was 2019, uh, Italian Grand Prix. And this was for Via Sport Norway, the television channel. And like he actually said on the show that, hey, Pirelli's, you know, giving Formula One the tyres they want. So why should Pirelli be blamed for all this confusion? Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the one thing that Formula One does seem to have figured out with regards to tyres, 
uh, it's the recently introduced you know soft medium hard or the nomenclature basically i remember when we used to have um, you know the tires being called like softs and ultra softs and medium and hard and <laughs> you know the color of the rainbow that would literally differentiate all the different compounds and it was it was so confusing yes and uh, then there was this rumored hyper ultra mega soft compound or something that was going to make a debut to formula 1 which would sort of you know not last beyond a couple of corners on the outlap itself you know something that we were joking about time and again but uh, mithila before we go we literally just forgot the one most wretched introduction to formula 1 in the last decade the one that i have been so vocal uh, against and i'm not alone guys i know a lot of you a lot of formula 1 drivers have been vocal against i'm talking about the drs or the drag reduction system. You know, I've just been sitting here waiting for you to pick, bring it up. So thank you for finally bringing it, it up. It sort of got lost somewhere because <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's a DRS, you know, who cares about it and I actually do. I just don't want it. Yeah, I think when when it actually came into being the uh, the concept of the rationale behind it was extremely noble, but oh my goodness, such a a terribly failed implementation, you know. It's made overtaking just so easy, too easy. that you know in most circuits when someone actually pulls off a non drs overtake we rejoice and you know we remember that move for you know time to come because wow the driver used his skill and not you know some button to put off that move <laughs> you know i'm going to take the next minute to explain uh, this concept that you just mentioned uh, mithila because the drs was introduced not with the intention to make overtaking as easy as it is today right so it was introduced to help the car that was following to overcome you know this the deficit caused by the dirty air and sort of join the fight with the car ahead right but of course that's not what has happened and uh, yes there are larger issues around car design and aerodynamics that sort of led us to the drs but i think it just wins the most unpopular rule added vote hands down literally we've had one decade full of drs aided overtakes kunal is still as disgruntled as ever <laughs> i think and i can still get in a formula 1 car and you know pull off a few overtakes oh, just with the see. drs we shall see <laughs> and kunal if it's not too much of a stretch i'm going to stick my neck out and call drs aided overtakes is a fake overtaking Yes. Oh wait, maybe I could be a little more polite. I'll say assisted overtaking or something like that. Wow, still... I I'd go with fake. Sounds very Donald Trumpish. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the the DRS has robbed us of the whole art of overtaking or the whole art of a wheel to wheel battle. And guys, let's remember the one thing that we relish is the whole battle, not who sort of comes on top of the battle. We want to see cars. you know fight it out for every inch or every millimeter of the race track not something that like mithila said is assisted uh, you know overtaking you just you know press a button a wing flips open and you drive past because that's what the last decade has literally been and for those of you you know who've started watching formula 1 in the last decade let's hope that the new decade that that we're in is able to work around these regulations on car designs that don't require us to rely on the DRS whatsoever. Very well said Kunal and uh, guys if you've started listening to the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast in the last decade uh yes hoping that all of you stay t- tuned uh, you know to us through this upcoming decade as well and all the decades to come after that because we love having you and we're so grateful to have this uh, amazing show and all of you as our listeners. 
Right. So on that note, uh, I think we guys are going to see you in the next episode where we are going to look forward to the new decade and what it could bring to Formula One. But guys, between this and the next episode, just a reminder, there's going to be the live stream show where Somil and Abhishek are going to be joining me. This is on the 30th of January at 5 o'clock Indian Standard Time. It's going to be our first live stream of the year. Be there or miss out, as you know, we'd call it. But thank you so much for listening and adios, guys. Thank you. Cheers.